Open educational resources are popular because they're seen as providing the means to solve many of the problems that our educational systems are facing. For example, proponents hope that open educational practices can broaden access to education, reduce costs, and expand the reach of scholarship. Open education practices are those activities that are made possible when work is licensed to give users free and perpetual permission to retain, reuse, revise, remix, and redistribute the work. Dr. David Wiley calls these permissions the five R's. Examples of open education practices include the creation of open textbooks and students publishing their work in digital platforms with appropriate licenses. I wrote this paper because I wanted to address two issues that I saw in the literature on open practices. First, the majority of the literature on open practices has focused on the perceived benefits of openness. Very few studies provide empirical results to support their claims of positive outcomes. The exception to this is the literature on the impact of open access publishing and the literature on open textbooks. Research into both of these topics shows a variety of positive outcomes. The second issue I wanted to address was the lack of in-depth understanding of open practices performed by scholars in particular contexts. Research on open practices often deals with favorable contexts, examining, for example, the impact of open textbooks after adoption. I was interested in examining a situation that was more representative of the average university, a situation in which I was investigating both adopters and non-adopters. Therefore, in this paper I asked, do academics at Tall Mountain University, a university with no discernible policies supporting openness, share scholarly materials on, online in an open format? I employed an ethnographic approach for this study and examined 50 faculty members' social media spaces, institutional profiles, scholarly materials and publications, and their use of open licenses. Tall Mountain University is a fictitious name of a real university, and you can read more details about the university and the research methods in the published paper. My results showed that more than one-third of the faculty members published at least one piece of scholarship in an open-access, peer-reviewed journal or self-archived their work on personal or institutional websites. While the institutional digital repository hosted work published under open licenses, this work was mostly created by students. Faculty members favored certain open practices over others. Faculty members did not engage in a number of other open practices. For example, some individuals created open educational resources, but no one shared data openly. Finally, I observed that even though a number of instructors and researchers made scholarly materials available online for free, the majority of these materials were provided without an accompanying license or were licensed using the default options provided by the technologies used to share such content. For example, many YouTube videos use the standard YouTube license. Two important implications arising out of this study are the following. First, there is a limited evidence for open practice being prevalent at this institution. Open practices are limited to some faculty and to some types of work. This result suggests that we need more research into the drivers of openness. Second, the finding that academics share materials online for free but with no explicit open licenses is one that provides a rich area of inquiry. 
Default settings have a powerful impact on human choice and behavior. Considering YouTube, for example, it is likely that faculty, for a variety of reasons, use the default option without much consideration. Posting content online without a license or with the default license may reflect faculty members' lack of understanding of Creative Commons licensing and may not necessarily reflect their desire to retain copyright. Future research could examine the impact of interventions to educate faculty about Creative Commons licensing. These findings should encourage researchers to further explore open practices and investigate how, why, and by whom open practices are enacted in various environments. How representative is the Toll Mountain University case? To what extent are these results unique to Toll Mountain University and how may these results change over time as open practices become more popular and mainstream? Thanks a lot for tuning in. If you liked this, please share it with your friends, colleagues and students.